His name is Heston Blumenthal. He's on a lifetime's mission to discover the secrets of our cooking and eating. My name's Jay Taylor. I'll be your host for this adventure with Heston inside our food, along with our Fat Duck producer, James. And on today's show, if you go down to the woods today, you'll be sure of a big surprise because today is the day that Heston has his picnic. That's right. As the sun starts to shine, we are taking a deep dive inside the hamper to explore the wonders of picnics and the history and traditions of this foodie treat. So without further ado, let's meet the man who always comes with lashings and lashings of ginger ale, Heston Blumenthal. Heston, how are you, sir? I'm very good, actually. I've that pause was because I thought I was going to come up with a very intellectually humorous pun. It'll, it'll come. We'll put that very in. Good. We'll put that. We'll edit that in afterwards. I was thinking <laughs> your your pause was some way teddy bear related. I thought you were going to link into some uh, teddy bear paw. Ah, I always find that poem a bit sinister when I was a child. The idea there's a huge teddy bear. Most poems are sinister, aren't they? Well, fairy tales certainly are, as we know, having delved into that for cooking enough times. It's uh it's a dark old yeah. world when you start venturing into the land of Grimm's fairy tales. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just taking a dark turn already. Uh, but we are we are exploring the good side. Oh, maybe I'm the bad side of picnics. I think James is going to be quite busy today. Yes, because we're going to be making up facts left, right and centre. That's an understatement. <laughs> left, right and centre. Dear listeners, we decided this, what, in the last hmm. 24 hours? Yeah. Yep. It's yeah. quite a lot advanced planning by our standards. Yeah, so I thought about this, um, obviously long and hard. After the French Revolution, the, we were allowed, we were, I'm not, I mean, I'm in France, but people were allowed to then go out together in parks, in the parks that were previously owned by royalty, to share food together. And that is one of the origins of the, the word picnic and, and the picnic. What does it mean? Do we actually know? Is there a definition for... Is that a French word? Is it picnic? The dictionary definition of a picnic is a meal you take to a place outside to be eaten there in an informal way or an occasion on which such a meal is eaten. So I guess kind of you, you, you basically eating outside, but there is a kind of communal feel to it. But obviously the origins of the word picnic, as Heston's alluding to, could well come from the French word picnic, which I guess means... To pick at things, yes, <laughs> probably <laughs> have a mixture. Pick a mix. <laughs> well, it's is that a actually a French word? You just said an English word in a French no, accent. It's pick, 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 <laughs> it, it, you nick stuff and pick them together, <laughs> and so that it's there's something relevant to this sort of you know a, a slight re, a, the releasing of COVID restrictions where people can then com- collectively get together in a field <laughs> and not go with loads of beer. Hey, a very, picnic. very delicate pastry, picnic. I would imagine. Picnic. picnic, picnic. The Earl of Chesterfield, who died in something like 1770, the first record in English liter- literature, I think, um, and James might um, check this, but if, he, if, if it's not right, it's still in my head anyway. Well, he, he used, um, he mentioned the picnic. In 1732, the same man that was credited with writing about the picnic in British history in 1732 decided to change the calendar. So he wiped something like 11 days off mm. the calendar. Really? 11 how, days. How can he do that? Like the idea. <laughs> because he was the Earl of Chesterfield. And, 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 and J- J- James will support this with a, really a, hard, a hard and fast sort of, you know, research knowledge. Lord Chesterfield decided to, to uh, sort of change the way the calendar worked. So before that point, I believe... He went back to the Greek back, calendar, didn't he? Yeah, well, it, well, New Year's Day was randomly March the 23rd. Well, I say randomly, it probably wasn't that random. Um, it, it fitted in with lots of other calendars. But at that, that point, the New Year's Day was March the 23rd. But they decided, the, the Lord Chesterfield, that January 1st would make a much more suitable, which makes perfect sense to us. But obviously at the time, it wouldn't make any difference at Imagine all. Imagine the power. <laughs> it was something like 11 days he wiped off, he wiped off the Absolutely. calendar. Then I think that... If you think, then go back to um, the 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 French origin of the word picnic, which followed the, re- the the French Revolution. There was his equivalent, whoever he was in France, also wiped some days off the calendar. 
if these two people didn't do this, the time difference between England and uh, London and New York would be like three weeks. <laughs> and now we think Amazon, if our delivery doesn't arrive in two days, we're impatient. You imagine? Count yourself lucky. Imagine. You could lose 11 days. Mm. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I think I think Picnic uh, basically plots the um, evolution of human existence of time in our relationship <laughs> with it. There we are. Now, <laughs> that's so, the one that's going to that get us the note, Nobel Prize. Do you think at the time you'd have been mm. happy or, or upset that some lord had come along and nicked 11 days from your year? Uh, probably yes and no, because in France, schools close on Wednesday. Do they really? The show. So Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And then they passed the law where schools opened all week, but only in some departments. It was, it was the choice of the department. And then parents were up in arms. Now, for me, if you lose the Monday to... If you, if you don't have enough consistent um, discipline, things can go wrong. But the parents were up in arms because uh, they tried to then open the schools on Wednesdays. It's like half day closing. Do you remember half day closing <laughs> back in the day? Yeah. You, all the shops uh, no, back in the day. On no, it's still here. Is it half day? Half day closing is still here, and not only half day closing. Go onto a website, look at a shop. It will tell you if it's open. Forget it. It's <laughs> Russian roulette. And the hours make no sense when I'm in France or Italy. It's like we were open when we could be bothered and you'll be lucky yeah. if you're here at the yeah. time. So we're closed and then you look at the door and you see the sign and it says, I'll be back at half past three. <laughs> what, next week? <laughs> yeah, no, what so, day it is, who knows? <laughs> so, so going back to picnic memories. Yeah, tell me about your childhood picnic memories. Were very, um, I remember them actually really clearly. They were very special. They normally involved we lived in london and a, a bit bizarre i'm talking and thinking at the same time I, I lived in paddington very close to hyde park and i i spent most of my kiddie life with my mates in hyde park so you've got this beautiful park in the middle of london where you can go and have a picnic i don't remember having picnics in hyde park i remember i remember um playing sports and diving in piles of wet leaves and with my mates uh, hiding behind trees with two sticks in our hands where, where there was a couple sort of lying on top of each other kissing and we'd jump out going snuggers and we were like, I don't know, eight years old. 24. And, 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 and the bloke would jump up and chase us and we'd throw the sticks in the air and run away. So, um, so you've got this beautiful park in London. However, with my, with my folks on the weekend, Sometimes we would go to Windsor Great Park or Virginia Water, which was, I don't know, what, 45 minutes or so from London. And around the corner from us was a delicatessen called Andreanos. And they had spit roast chicken and I think what was a baguette. When I say I think what was a baguette, in, in, in my when I was a kid, baguettes did not exist. Yeah, it's probably a bigger so roll, wouldn't it? They bought yeah a bag, of chi- a, a, a paper bag with a, with a spit roast chicken in it, a baguette and some butter. P- plus, we'd have a a box. I, I'd love to think it was a hamper. It wasn't but, though, was it? When we were kids, you didn't have hampers. It was a box. It was a bag. box of tin foil, and yeah, and there was a thermos flask. Yeah, and there was always a blanket though. Yes. I do remember that the, the blanket was a big thing. And then we'd sit... By, then normally, you could pick a tree to sit by and open the... Let's call it the imaginary hamper. Uh, I remember scotch eggs. Is it true the only time you'd eat a scotch egg was generally, as a child, at a picnic? Or maybe a kid's party? They never seemed to be a part of normal picnics. daily life. But it's picnics, I, no, wasn't yeah, it? no, they weren't. I don't, kids' parties were jellies and cream and my dad's a policeman, so you're not coming to my party. And balloons... <laughs> They were the sort of, they were the kids' <laughs> birthday parties. I, and, and <laughs> Vindictive affairs. <laughs> yeah, yes, they were, the, yeah. You're my friend, now you're not my friend. <laughs> yeah, and, and not, yes, I know, touch a sunburn. And not only are you not coming to my birthday party, but my dad's a policeman. So it means that if I tell him, you might get arrested. That was sort of my memory of birthday parties. Picnics, on the other hand, and they involved... Uh, 
sort of bats and balls, either cricket and football, scotch eggs. But it's funny, isn't it? The romanticism of picnics. Because I see the effect today in my kids. The idea of a picnic, their eyes light up and they absolutely love it. And we have, in our minds, I think it's because picnics are so much part of all the the books you read. When you're a kid, I was looking at the... Yeah. Um, this is what uh, Moly and Ratty ate in The Wind and the Willows, in the in the picnic in that. They had cold tongue, yeah. cold ham, cold beef, pickled gherkins, salad, French rolls, cress sandwiches, potted meat, ginger beer lemonade, and soda water. And when you oh hear my, well, these that things... Sounds, that sounds like a lovely... Uh, that sounds like a great picnic. Doesn't it? And it's the same as the famous five. They're always having their lashings and lashings of ginger ale and pork <laughs> pies and things. And I think, in our mind, a picnic was this romantic affair. Whereas in reality, it was like you said, it was it was sort of tinfoil and chicken drumsticks and scotch eggs. Yeah. Which is And lovely. if you went to the... You could... I mean, you could argue... I, it's, it's going to the beach a picnic? So if you have the same box of food on a beach... Oh, it's a good question. That I don't, that I don't think it is because no, picnics, are, picnics are wasps and ants. Beach is and, sand. And sand. So it's actually the original sandwich. <laughs> yes, the original sandwich <laughs> is on the. No, I don't think you have a picnic on the beach. Yes, you you have to have a rug I'm, on yeah, grass. You can, no, you can have a picnic on a beach. Of course, you can. I don't know. If yeah, but if you. Oh, okay. So if you were to go onto a. Sit, let's say a slightly more deserted beach in the winter. So wouldn't you be going to a beach, but there wouldn't be many people on the beach? No, you're gonna have grass. Could, it, grass is a key component to a picnic. Grass and a tree for, for me. Grass and a tree. Yeah, is a picnic. Yeah, you can't you can't have a picnic sitting in the middle of a city, can you? Like on a on a on a piece of concrete. No, or, or on a beach. Although yeah. you might eat this, you might eat the same things, but just with tin foil and sand. Yes. It's a subsect. It's like a splinter group it's, on the picnic. It's a, <laughs> it's a beach. We're talking about the the the, the famous five tight picnic. Yeah, five. Yeah, yeah, five. Yeah, five go mad in Dorset. It's an adventure. Yeah, it's a food adventure. It's an adventure with food or a food adventure. And I a picnic doesn't. Well, I'm going to make a sweeping statement here, which is based obviously on. Um, uh, very, very reputed rep, uh, university researched fact. As always, which is a picnic yes. does not exist. Is it uh, an adventure without a food? Without food is not a picnic, and food without an adventure is not a picnic. Is not a picnic. It has to be. You have to go somewhere for it. It's part of the. And also, hmm. would a picnic be a picnic without Mr. Kipling? Because he was always a sort of oh. ever present. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There was always a bit of Mr. Kipling came out. That, with that's with interesting. Sort of... The old Mr. Kipling's voice, whoever did the voiceover, it was a very softly spoken, the granddad that you wish, or not that I'm saying I didn't like my granddad, but the granddad you always would like yes. to have. He was an exceedingly <laughs> he good made granddad, exceedingly wasn't he? exceedingly good case. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was exceedingly good. And you knew that when you, when, once you had a, a bit of Mr. Kipling in front of you, everything was going to be okay. So what I suggest we do today then is I think we, yes. we open up our imaginary hamper and I'm going to ask you to fill the hamper today with if we were going, well, if 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 the three of us go mad in Dorset, which is clearly what we're going to do when we stop recording, yeah. what are you putting in the hamper for us to go and sit under a tree in the grass today? With all your knowledge of food to this day, what should we have in the hamper? One One complication is you told me You've already given me the idea of eating cold meats and pickled tongue and ginger ale in a picnic. So, oh, so quite a Victorian also, picnic. Yeah, but I'm sitting in Provence in France. We'll come over, it's fine. So here, for example, a, a few weeks ago, I went, I drove from here with my missus and a three-year-old daughter to the Camargue. I'm in Provence and Provence is full of olive trees and fig trees and vineyards and, and sort of stone-covered hills. And one hour away, you go, you're in the heart of the Camargue and a town, a seaside town called Sainte-Marie-de-la-Mer, which is the gypsy capital of the world. It's where the gypsy kings came from. We, we think they're Spanish, but actually, oh, cool. no, it's from the Camargue. So it's white horses and, and bulls and the, 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 the marshlands, so bird sanctuaries. So everything goes flat and there's pink flamingos and, and, and long reeded grass. And it's very, very different from being in Provence. I used to go to that area for my um, 
my uh, summer holidays with my folks. So I thought, right, we're going to go to the beach. Amazing. I haven't done this before. I've been here for two years. I haven't been to the beach. So I wanted to eat oysters, like Sound of the Sea, eat oysters on the beach. So we went to the local fish, fish uh, monger, got a dozen oysters, um, had them nicely wrapped up. And as when we were driving, I put on some gypsy chill music compilation. I hadn't heard of it before, but it was on YouTube. But there were tracks I knew. I had to part with the adverts in the middle. But when I hit the area, the flatlands of all of the, they call them Eton, the lakes with the bird sanctuaries, and I saw the bulls and the white horses, and I saw the rice being grown. I wanted olives, and I wanted, I wanted tapenard, and I wanted tomatoes, and basil and tarragon. Don't ask me why. I uh, some That's of it. That's amazing. Well, so the landscape made memory. you want to. The landscape yeah. inspired you to want to eat. Whereas if you were probably going through a sort of dappled English grove, you'd probably want strawberries and pork pies and the the the, the environment yeah. itself made you hungry. Yeah, you things. might even want your blanket to be red and white checkered instead of you know tartan or whatever whatever colour it might be. You might want strawberries and cream. You might want cucumber sandwiches i i don't know or you want shippens shippens paste sandwiches wrapped in tinfoil full of sand on the beach oh that's a memory that is fish paste sandwiches when you occasionally got yeah. the crunchy bit and you weren't quite sure yeah, what that was yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> that should be up there with horrible foods but a bit of memories food. okay so that's really so, interesting so, so you're where we have your it. question now, right now, at this moment in time, what would I have on a picnic? Yeah. Here, in mm. France. So we're going to Provence. We'll go down the road to your local Le Parc, whatever it is you've got down there. We're mm. going to sit in a field. Are you going to go with... Are you going to go with a pork pie or, or a scotch egg? One of your fancy... Oh, I, 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 oh, <clears throat> I would take a pork pie wherever i was if it was offered to me <laughs> i just don't think i could it's i a just know those things i'm sorry i just i he's got that in latin by the door of his house yes yeah, i can feel my shoulders sagging as i'm going no thank you my hand coming out and so i've just i've succumbed so they're so bad for you aren't they they're I, the I, perfect I, comfort because they're I so love, bad for you. i so love good. Po- i love mm. pork pies i love prawn cocktail as well i love them so so they, they'd always be a given. Crisps, I'm not too fussed about. At the mm. moment, I think what I would probably love as part of my picnic, this is part of it, is a pan bagna. What's that? Which is a, a Provencal sandwich. So imagine salad niçoise, tin tuna, capers, eggs, lettuce, tomatoes, olive oil, vinegar. It's basically a salad niçoise put in a a round flat roll but it's not too hard not like a not like um um you know one of those sort of the really hard overcooked focaccia some of those french the rolls you know, they really hurt the inside of my mouth you know the ham, the ham yeah, it, it, exactly no, not one of them it's it's round it's somewhere between what would you uh, a soft round bun you get in england with but with a little bit of a thicker crust a bat. and then you make the niçoise like a bat you make the niçoise, you put it in the bap, and then you wrap it in uh, a tea towel, and you put a casserole or a pan or a pot or a chopping board on top of it, and you leave it in the fridge for a day. So all the juices from the salad soak into the bread. Oh, wow, and it gets squashed. Oh, yeah, and it's hard to find them around here now. I love, I, they, so pambania. What a cool the, technique. I've never heard of that before. I love the idea of a sort of pre-squashed sandwich. That, yeah, you can great. go to bake, but bakeries here and buy a, you know, a tuna baguette. But no, no, it's a squashed sandwich where all the juices soak into the bread. But you know what? That comes back. You know that three finger rule you've got for the <clears throat> the perfect burger, where you for can, the bur- yeah. if it's bigger than three fingers, yeah. it's not good to try and eat it. Yeah, it's the same for sandwiches. Some of these fancy sandwiches get far too big to enjoy. I don't. If a sandwich is too uh, uh, yeah. high, yeah, and then they out. stick. Then they stick some kind of skewer or toothpick in it and especially when you don't even know it's in there you bite into it and you feel this piece of plastic or or wood 
actually penetrating your upper gum. It's like a, the worst COVID <laughs> test you could imagine. <laughs> oh, I tell you what's nice as well. A bit of coronation chicken. A bit of cool coronation chicken in a pig. I love. I love that. That would be... That's one of my absolute favourites. Coronation chicken. My mum used to make great coronation chicken and potato salad. And potato salad. That's the other one. If you get it... If you get it right, too much mayo. You know some of the ones they make. When you yeah, go to the supermarket? not too much mayo, but it need gherkins in it as well. Oh, that's a nice idea. Maybe give it that little pot. Ooh. Bit of chopped egg egg yolk of mine. Maybe some spring onions. Yes, Ooh. bit of egg in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do oh, you... uh, egg and spring onions. Yes. Oh, and egg mayo. That's another one. Do you have oh, egg in a pork pie, mayo. or is egg in a oh, pork no, pie a different a, thing? No, that's um, a, a gala pie. That a gala pie. So oh. you can, you do have an egg in a pork pie. Actually, Jay, you might not remember, but we made a gala pie for a feast where the mince meat or the pork meat wasn't meat. It was raspberry sorbet and uh, vanilla ice cream that was softly f- frozen and then and then and then pushed through a perforated tray with a with a with a with a scraper into liquid nitrogen so it looked like mince i remember and then we that pushed that it in brilliant. the pork pie casing and put an egg in the middle of it but the egg wasn't an egg and when you cut that that was brilliant because you also did it in um the same pastry as a pork pie but slightly sweeter wasn't it and when you it looks slightly sweeter with like it, it and instead of that jelly that that's that funny sort of jelly that a lot of people don't like about pork pies I think it was a fruit. It was like a, it was a fruit jelly. It might be an apple. I don't. I, I don't remember now. But. That was really clever. That because I like um, my pork. I know we're saying pork pies all the time, but my, I put, I like the pork pies when they're small enough. You can eat, not those big ones that you have to have in slices because you get that bit of je- the jelly. Then I like them when they're small enough to eat almost sort of like an apple, like one one person per pork pie. Do you not like? like the jelly for me, that, do you not? Are you not a jelly eater, Jay? In a pork pie, I think. No, all those kind of jelly potted things it's mm. savory jellies don't not a big fan of those for me the pork pie the pork pie pastry i like when it's cr- juicy and crispy and it's hot it's hot it's or hot crunchy. water crust pastry yeah. isn't it it's it's made in a, it's a hot water crust pastry yeah with a lot of fat yeah. so it's quite so it's quite uh, brittle and, and a bit flaky sometimes you know but but solid yeah 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 how do they do they cook the meat inside the pork pie as it's baking or is it pre-cooked well, meat? They do yeah they do but we yes they do traditionally yes. And they hand raised them don't they? But we've done we've done uh, versions where you cook the meat separately. That's always for me one of the challenges of a pie is how to get the meat to get the pastry cooked and crisp but not dry the meat out. How do you get the best out of both worlds? So um, we've done it where we've cooked the pastry. We've made like a, imagine you made a plastic mold, for example, and then you, you build the pastry around the mold. You cook the pastry, you take the mold out and then you put the meat in. Yeah, that makes more sense to me. This. And then, then, then it can still be heated and the juices can melt, but you're yeah, not making yeah. it compromising on both parts of it. We yeah. should actually also, I wanted to ask you about, obviously we talked about Scotch eggs, but I remember lucky enough to go to your, your Michelin-starred pub in Bray, Heinz Head, and had the Scotch egg with the runny centre in it. Ah, Jay, I'm so pleased you actually brought that up. Oh, I completely forgot about it. It's it's <laughs> it's one of, bit. Thank you so much. It's fine. We're not prepared for this thing at all. Actually, well, I edit this better. Like it sounds like <clears throat> we planned this in advance of Podcast HQ. With Triple cooked chips, which started, I wish I did three years before the fat duck. The 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 runny the soft yolk scotch egg was i invented at the heinz head and the original scotch egg i think came from fortnum and masons in 1800 and something and there's lots of ideas about why it was called scotched um but it was it never had a soft yolk in it no it's always a hard yolk isn't it yeah so that that was yeah that was one of my um they were that, that so was, that, special obviously those. i was so proud about that creation that i forgot about it <laughs> how do you do those but by thank the way you how so do you much. actually make how do you make a soft yoked scotch egg i'm quite curious about the, the uh, well process. you have to you have to you cook the well cooks the egg in the shell but without boiling it so think about like baking an egg but a lower temperature for longer right um and you have to sort of turn it so the yolk stays in the center otherwise it will just fall to one end and 
you then one that when you let it cool you remove the shell but it's the the white is very soft still but when it's cold it hardens up so like if you have a a runny egg yolk and you put it in the fridge it will go hard so you have it cold um, and then you do the coating and then you give it a very quick fry in a deep fat fryer and then just to finish off the cooking you put it in an oven at a specific temperature for for a specific period of time. So that that most of the stuff I've done, it's not as it no. Yeah, it's no. not a faffy. If you give me the, if you give me an easy and a complicated way to do something, <laughs> I'll make it really complicated. <laughs> yes. I wish I exhausted myself. <laughs> now I'm curious in the, in in this picnic hamper here. What yeah. are we? What are we drinking? Because ginger ale is the thing that everybody always says. But I'm going to put one out there. I'm going to say a can of Shandy Bass. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. That You just brought back a memory. That, of, that's a strong memory, that, isn't it? Is that, is that a low alcohol? Well, it's Shandy, so it's, it's probably like naturally 3% or 2.5% or something alcohol because it's the beer and yeah. lemonade mix. But I remember sitting in a pub with my dad having a Shandy, and I think I might have had a packet of crisps. I was two years... No, I was older than that. Uh, but, um, but I remember, I, now you said it, it was like the first time I can remember really feeling like an adult. Yes. Sitting in a pub. A shandy. Yeah. Yeah. Because the cans no, of Shandy Bass, they, you buy those alongside cans of Coke or, or lemonade. They weren't... Yeah. I think in they must bit, have been 1% well now, or something. But. For me, now, it will, I'd have, if I'm in Provence or something, I'd, I'd, I'd go for a bottle of... It depends on the weather. But rosé or something. Yeah, but how are you going to keep that cold or cold yeah, enough? It, you know, we've got a bit of a walk ahead of us. You just put it in an yeah. ice box like we used to. <laughs> a cool box with ice cubes. That's what they used to do. Actually, I'm thinking about the cool box now. The cool box was that big plastic <laughs> thing. Still is, right? Big, those yeah, blue big plastic thing. Yes, things, yeah, yeah. Like the opposite of a thermos flask. And I love, there's something about tea. When you make tea and put it in a thermos flask, and you know, the, the thermos flask was invented by James Dewar, uh, in round about 1900, but he didn't patent it. So along came a company, nicked his idea, <laughs> thermos, and then they, it's called the thermos flask. They've but done all right. something in that. I always see it as blue. Blue with a white screw-on cap, and it had a cup. Maybe if you're lucky, you've got three different sized cups on top of the thermos flask. And then when you, uh, you unscrew the cap, and normally the wind was blowing. I mean, I, I, for some reason, this reminds me more of the beach, which mm. is that a picnic or not. But there was something about the sort of plasticky flavour yeah. from tea in a thermos flask, which I loved. I haven't tasted it for years, but I can remember it. I wonder if you could impregnate the plastic with, a, with, a, with some kind of taste so that when you drank tea from a flask, when the plastic taste went into it, it tasted of something else, like impregnated with the taste of sugar or something. Um, 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 uh, yeah. Because um. <laughs> it is tea in a thermos. Is not a cup of tea, is it? It is a thermos. No, it's tea in a thermos. Yeah, it's completely... It's like tin tuna is not, is not raw bluefin tuna that's been char-grilled for 30 seconds. It is tinned tuna. I remember once we were filming with the army, it was the middle of winter, and this urn came out, a tea urn, but it was pre-mixed milk, sugar, and tea in, a, in an urn, and it was just one of the best things I've ever tasted on a cold day in a polystyrene cup, just mixed to perfection, like builder's mix of it. It was like a thermos. It was the perfect blend for what you needed. Because if you had a thermos yeah. flask of tea in the house, it'd be awful, right? You wouldn't enjoy it. But when you're sitting in the middle of a field somewhere... Yeah, and I think Hester's point about I think a bit so, of windburn on the cheeks does something. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yes. Wind, You've got to want windburn. It. Do you know it's a bit? I'm not sure if this is the same. I'm saying this, but this is this is as a bloke who's never worn uh, genuine, g- genuinely who's never worn stilettos. <laughs> you think the amount of pain that women have to have to go through fashion-wise. I reckon that that's how the wind, the windburn thermos flask is our um, Louboutin version of um, picnic. I don't know, but a little, little bit of pain does, does you good. J- James, what would yours be right now? Well, in, in a picnic, uh, certainly now a cup of tea mm. would be first and foremost. But I was just thinking, I, I, me, I just like a really good 
couple of different cheeses and some really lovely bread. I like the kind of, you know, I, I'm I'm less of it unless it a pan banier sounds a lovely sandwich. But I often find sandwiches on a picnic they they've always fallen apart. Bits of filling have cross contaminated. Never even as a kid would you love would you love that with cheese and well bread I think I would just live off the little sausage the... rolls. Sausage rolls and and probably be looking for oh. the crisps straight away. Oh, sausage rolls! Actually, I forgot about, about those. Yeah, you pull one out of the bag. So there, be, literally. Now they're they're an example of something that's got altogether far too fancy. So Greg's do good sausage rolls, but but some of these ones you buy in the fancy bakers now. I mean, it's gone beyond a sausage roll. And it's become almost an entire meal in itself. The scale of them and the cost of them is ludicrous. I'm getting on my yeah. little soapbox now. <laughs> right, Brexit means Brexit. Give us back our sausage rolls. <laughs> 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 if you, were, you, mean, you mean you mean the sausage roll with the uh, pureed black olives, caramelized oh, yeah. onions, uh, confit peppers, and um, Himalayan salt? Exactly, a sausage roll is simple. Yeah. It's pastry sausage and something and which does not resemble a sausage at all, but is only a sausage because it's called a sausage. And you're like, fine, yeah. that must be a sausage then. Yeah, that is the joy of or a, a sausage roll. pasty or one of that. Just something. Just and if you were lucky, you would be able to stop off on the way. To, and see a little bakery shop or something that was open and get them fresh off a, off the counter there so they weren't those pre-packaged ones that always need 20 minutes in the oven just to, to stop them feeling quite so raw. Yeah, warm I suppose well. that was my, my Andrianoff's delicatessen thing on the way out of London, which you, you'd buy your roast chicken and the baguette. Hmm. And then, it's part of the yeah, adventure, isn't it? Later, you know, you're yeah, already yeah. thinking we're going to yeah. have a little stop off there, so there's a little edible treat there while you're queuing up for something and then you get all the freshly baked somethings and we, put them in your bag. If you think about picnics or you're going to the beach you're going it's a sunday day out you're going to like in my uh case windsor great park or um victoria water or you're going to you, you know you're up in the lakes you're going out and they're walking in the hills it's an adventure mm -hmm. so i think that's for me one of the beauties of picnic it's a metaphorical food adventure to go with your physical adventure so it should be full of discovery and reward and a little bit of painful cheek from cold wind blowing just makes everything that little bit more memorable that's a lovely way of putting it you know because it's it should be different to your normal dining so i've seen people with picnic hampers where you're basically taking out cutlery and plates and napkins and i'm like oh, that takes yeah. all the fun out of it because you're basically just eating like you would at home like you're saying it should be different the the plate should be all papery or full. It, it it shouldn't feel the same way you'd normally eat you'd probably eat more with your hands you'd eat yeah. and also lying down on the floor there was always if you were going with, with someone else or a group of people there's that kind of collaboration aspect to a picnic where you're kind of expected to bring a little contribution yourself so there's always that oh i wonder what they brought Oh, he's like, yeah, what's in their bag? What's what little what flavour of crisps have they got? What what's in their little plastic tub have they got? Yeah, or then you get jealousy. Either they they've eaten all your coronation chicken and your yeah. and your and your sausage rolls and scotch eggs, and they've bought <laughs> tomatoes fennel and uh, they just bought some tomatoes. Yeah, and pomegranate seed salad. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to know. I'd love to know. We're talking about our our nostalgia. What is it about today? What happens with that 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 picnic? And if you want to, it's a bit. It's a thing of, I remember being lucky enough through work, traveling on expensive airplane seats paid for by, you know, the, if you're flying to Australia, doing some dinners, I'm there for two or three days. The contract is I go on a, a, a seat that you can lay, you know, it's got a flat bed. And these airlines, and I did a show on this and we've spoken about this, I think before on a, one of our podcasts, a restaurant in the sky. Well, why would you want to replicate something in the sky that's on the ground? Why don't you make the most or make the magic of the fact that you're, you're up in the sky? How often do you go up in the sky? And how often do you sit in a very expensive airplane seat? Do you really want to eat bad versions of what you can get in a, in, a, in, a, in a restaurant on the ground that actually, in fact, costs a lot less money than this expensive airplane seat. Why can't you just enjoy, you know, I, for um, before the last lockdown, I was able to travel to the UK for three days a week and we were doing a lot of work on the menu and the duck and the Mandarin. The whole 
checking in system changed, obviously, and you have your masks and the right documentation. But when I got on the plane, and it was business class, it was an hour and a half flight, um, I got a box, cardboard box, and it had a coronation chicken sandwich in it and a bottle of water. Uh, I think it was a little pot of chocolate mousse. But that coronation chicken sandwich, I had no TV screen. I, I had my tablet, my Kindle, I could have watched something. But I decided, I thought, I've opened the box with a little bit of tape. I had to peel the tape off. I'm up in the sky. I've got an hour and a half or so on my own. Well, it, actually less so because you have to listen to now about two and a half hours worth of safety announcements <laughs> you know, on an hour and a half flight or selling stuff that you don't want to buy. However, putting that aside, I ate mindful sandwiches and every mouthful I absolutely adored there was coronation chicken there might have been chicken there were three different types of chicken sandwiches i mean i was just depending on what day you flew now if you think about from a from a health point of view buddhist monks always tell you you know you have to chew and your grandparents might have said chew your uh, food 30 i think 47 might be one number but say 35 times so if you focus on chewing your food 37 times, so every time you have a chew of your mouthful of food, you go one, two, three, you're not connecting to your food. No, sounds awful. At all. But if you think, oh, what happened? How does the bread smell near the crust and in the middle of the bread? And I'm chewing it. Does the sweetness of the bread change? What's happening to the saliva in my mouth? I'm looking out the window and I'm seeing the clap seeing the clouds or the blue sky or whatever it was amazing it was a sandwich you know what ties together all the things you've said there though, and all the wonderment of the stuff is discovery the discovery of your sandwich in the air the discovery of picnics when you were a kid the discovery of the warm mm. chicken from the shop i think there's something utterly romantic about a picnic when you don't have to make it you haven't made the sandwiches and you're finding things and exploring and you're opening up that thing oh what's this and what's under that bit of yeah. tin foil and it's when you're discovering yeah. new exciting things even in that sort of slightly wrapped up in cling film way you give it more attention and there's more payoff when yeah. you see and, it and even even something that you might have eaten a hundred times before only when distraction is re is removed it might be forced into and this is what covid has done for so much of us is actually forced um it's removed many things that we love but at the same time it is potentially allowed some of us to be able to appreciate what we've got left if you can get over the the initial you know discomfort of all these privileges you know have been have been taken away from me i'm really angry i'm really uncomfortable if you can get over that it does give you more of an opportunity to value what is left well, food's become a huge crutch for us all, um, I think, during well, this time, relationship, isn't it? Our relationship with food is, for me, is after our breath, is everything. So within our within our magical hamper, then, here's a question. Yes. What do we have in terms of the sweet treats? Are you are we going like one of those fancy boxes of French cakey things where they're all bits of sliced fruit, or are we going with some fondant well, fancy? You've already said Mr. Kipling. Yeah, it's got to be Mr. Kipling apple apple Mr. Fondant fancies could be, but Mr. Kipling... Fondant fancies could be a Kit Kat, or if you were lucky, yeah. one of those little bar. it was one of those little potted trifles from um, that that well-known other food store, not Waitrose. I won't say their name, but had, had two <laughs> letters, something and something, uh, and they would always have those little potted <laughs> trifles. So if you had a corbel, you mean uh, Morris and yeah, Simons, yeah. <laughs> yes, the patron saint. Saint Thudar. Um but you get those little trifles. So if you had a cool box and you had some cool things in there, if you were lucky, you got one of those. And my, oh, they, were, they were lovely. Trifle, a little trifle. A little wow. potted trifle. I think it yeah. look, a a chalk ice. Ooh. Oh, hello! You'd never keep that. You'd never keep that cool enough, though, would you? It would just be a. It wouldn't be an ice. I don't know. Chalk. That might, that might be one of the playoffs. Do you have to wait and unwrapping that? I little don't know little paper thing around it yeah yeah and when you bite into it because if it's too hard then what if, if it's too hard all the chocolate falls off if it's too soft 
There's something about the the, the, the the readiness of a choc ice. It's like the melt-in-the-middle Scotch egg. It's a melt-in-the-middle ice cream, isn't it, already by the time you get to it? It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Do they still do yeah, choc exactly. ices? I wonder yes. if they still do choc yes, ices. they do. They do? They do. Well, James, a complete authority there. Well, it's because I've got a teenage son who eats them for, eats them for breakfast. <laughs> Most, if you look at Magnum ice cream bars or other the, those other big mates, I think quite a lot of them are choc ices on sticks. Well, I remember when the Mars ice cream bar came along. That felt like a sort of food revolution when we were kids. It's like, what? You've taken a Mars bar and turned I'm it into an ice cream. <laughs> they did Snickers and they did Kit Kat, they did Toblerone, everything. oh. everything's been turned yeah. into In terms of when I, I said I don't like Chris, Quavers I did, but I've just reminded me of hula hoops. Oh, I love a hula hoop. My, my crisp of choice it, now. Because you used to sort of stick them on your fingertips. Oh, you and bite did, them off you? your fingertips. So do you think yes, here, though, that the, 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 the essence of a picnic is not elegant where fancy people sit and and on the grass and and sit lounge back while you know popping open champagne corks there's a bit more i don't know maybe there's two levels to this maybe there's the kind of yeah. you know the historical you know aristocracy having their picnics in in gardens and then there is just people getting some essence of getting together outside and having whatever they want you know without any you know it's just interesting maybe the people at some point have reclaimed the picnic a bit like the French well, I Revolution. I think we try and feel elegant. I think we feel elegant when we're having our, our thermos flask of tea and our scotch egg clutched in our sweaty hands. But the trouble is, I think, by the natural level of us being the hoi polloi. That's a very good point, because it's easy to say, for me, you know, I've lived a life of food luxury, because that's, that's my life. So, for me, decadence is not lobster and caviar. It might be a caviar sandwich. I don't know. I've never had one. But... Have you not? The idea that you could, you have something, the decadence is, 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 is not the fancy tableware and the cutlery and all of the pomp and, and stuff that goes, that gets associated with a posh place to eat. You might eat something that's considered a bit posh, but I like the juxtaposition of the two things. Yeah, mm. absolutely. When I, I, we want to enter a music festival thing and you were told to bring picnics and we just did what you know everyone else did was grab a load of sort of MS sorry waitrose sandwiches and bung them on the floor but there were some of the twickenham crowd around us with the full-on hampers out the back of the bentley and weirdly i didn't look on with envy it's I a was lot of clutter going, that's curious it's a lot of clutter oh, isn't it i mean that's why i was thinking up after that's, a picnic actually that's that's funny Hen- so henley 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 regatta and other events like that where where People will go and out of guilt, they might just walk to the riverside to see the end of a race because <laughs> they think they can't. But otherwise, they sit, they sit in their car parks. And, you know, um, <laughs> the uh, Prince Philip was obsessed. He loved cooking. Really? And absolutely adored barbecues. He designed his own barbecues. He cooked, I mean, he, 90 years old. He was obsessed with it. I mean, so it, it was like a, he had the energy of, um, of an excited kid. Goodness me. Did he come in, when you cooked for them, did he come in the kitchens and poke around? Look, was he interested in that side yeah, of things? Well, well, well I remember we, well, we, when, when we did, um, I remember once I did a, oh my word, I did uh, uh, the Royal Institute off Albemarle Street did a 30, 40 million pound um, refurb. And the king and queen were doing their rounds, two separate parties. And they asked me to do something that was connected to the Royal Institute, which is just down the road from dinner. And um, the Royal Institute is kind of holds the history of, of Britain. And in the Royal Institute, you've got the Faraday Theatre, which is probably the most highly respected or regarded scientific presentation theatre. It's like our podcast, actually, the most highly regarded, <laughs> uh, respected. So, yeah. But it's where Faraday presented his uh, electricity for the first time. It's where James Dewar prevented... Uh, prevented was where James Dewar presented the Dewar flask, and people would dress up, top hats, and you know, like like going to the to 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 the opera. So they had this massive history, and and, and Margaret Marshall, who had uh, incredible. This is before women had the vote in the UK, so this would have been pre. Well, this is turn of, turn of the century, 
And the theory was that she went to James Dewar's presentation for his flask. And liquid nitrogen uh, had only recently been, been liquefied, but it was so cold, cold vapor falls down, unlike boiling water, which goes up. So he, he created a double-skinned a double flask. I want to say thermos, but obviously it's not. It's Dewar flask. So now for the first time, you could, you could put liquid nitrogen in a flask and it would stay there. You didn't need a lid. Because it, the evaporation wouldn't, the, 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 the coldness of it, it's minus 200 nearly, would want to fall down. And Margaret Marshall wrote in this cookbook, she was amazing. And she said, uh, she called it liquid air, or technically liquid air is explosive, but she called it liquid air. She said it could do wonderful things. Um, for picnics, you could chill your champagne, you could make ice cream, and I can even one day foresee its use in uh, hospitals. Uh, she predicted refrigerated transport. So I thought, what do I, what do, I do? Royal Institute, James Dewar, presentation, Dewar flask, um, Margaret Marshall, liquid nitrogen ice cream that she never made. That was my inspiration was Margaret Marshall. So I made, I had my daughter with me. I made um, liquid nitrogen ice cream. So there was a bank of photographers. The Queen comes along and I'm mixing, pouring the, the nitro into the bowl with the custard and it splashes over the, the desk and she's maybe, I don't know, five, maybe 10 feet away from me. Steps back and says, gosh. So I thought, oh no, I've just upset the queen. <laughs> God, <laughs> what do I do? Off so, with his head. So I said, look, I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Oh, off with his head. Yes. Yeah, so then Philip comes in the next procession and he's dipping his fingers in the, in the nitro <laughs> and flicking them at me. And, 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 and so afterwards I felt I had got an off with it. A couple of friends of mine said, well, you're going to lose your OBE. Um, uh, off with his head it was sort of like a half page spread in the telegraph with the queen's face looking shocked so i never done this before i wrote her a letter and i said look i'm really sorry if i scared you but it, there's a history to it and 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 there was a reason for doing it i apologize i had nothing for two weeks or three weeks then in the post one on the same day i had two envelopes one buckingham palace stamped red one Buckingham Palace stamp black. And it one was from the Queen or their private her private secretary and one was from Philip. So her letter was not at all most wonderful, lovely. And then his was His Majesty would be honoured if you would um if he could have the his royal household's Christmas lunch at the Fat Duck. Wow. So we housed forty people at the Duck. And he was a big fan of the In Search of Perfection series. And he loved the fish and chip program. So it was him. The Queen, the queen wasn't there. It was him with the heads of department from the, from, from the, the household to, to the, the security protection. Private secretaries. And there were several visits before to discuss the menu. And, um, and he came into the kitchen uh, I came into the duck and I said, oh, would you, would you like to have a look at the kitchen? Now, the kitchen at the duck was the size of a shoebox. And obviously, the small team I had in the kitchen knew that, that they were coming, but they didn't expect him to say, yes, I'll come up to the kitchen. <laughs> he said, oh, good idea. So he put his head through the, through the hatch in the kitchen and he said, afternoon, chaps. <laughs> and you could see... My, my team of six or eight people, they're dropping their knives. <laughs> there were no words. And then he went, gosh, golly, golly you guys look like a bunch of galley slaves. <laughs> it's so small here. Anyway, enjoy your lunch. And then when, what he wanted with the fish and chips, so we did a, the smell of a chip shop, which was pickled onion juice um, in a little atomizer and he was in the dining room and he was spraying it he was just spraying it in people's faces walking around the room it's amazing that's incredible amazing just he he loved he loved uh food and he loved cooking and he loved barbecues and he loved picnics 
Yeah, I'm laughing because I've, I've been Googling your, your, your exchange with the Queen. There is a wonderful picture if anyone wants to Google Heston meets the Queen liquid nitrogen of her grimacing as you're smiling away. <laughs> uh, her face, honestly, her face, her face was so, I, I felt so bad. I got, a, a, one of my mates said off with his head and the other one said, well, your OB is going to be taken away from you. And that was, that prompted my letter. And then you end up making uh, a Christmas and, lunch. <laughs> and yeah, and then, and then even after then, um, several times that when I, I saw her, I've had, luckily I, I've had, I have had a very special, I'm not saying they're, 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 they're friends or family, but I have had a, an un, um, unexpected, wonderful relationship with the royal family. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a massive fan. And at least a couple of times when I saw her, she has said, have you got any, like literally, have you got any liquid nitrogen in your pocket? <laughs> Backing slowly away from you. <laughs> so having the piss taken out of you by the Queen, I'd say, is a, is, is, is a, is a yeah. Um, yeah, it's quite something. Another memory, I love the, of these when I, mem I've rediscovered memories I've forgotten, talking about the Royal Jubilee. I remember I did a hamper, that was a hamper, for the Royal Jubilee at Buckingham Palace with Waitrose, and I remember pulling up to the palace. It was so busy. You go around Buckingham Palace. I can't even remember the name of the roads. Is it Constitution Road or something? You go around the, um, the whole block of the palace. The queue was around. There must have been 2,000 people queuing with my hampers. Oh, wow. Oh, that was amazing. <laughs> you've made, you've made and, a picnic in Buckingham Palace. Yeah, the garden, garden party, party. Wasn't it? for the Jubilee, wasn't it? and yet yeah, no nitrogen in sight. <laughs> and there's another Jubilee Fantastic. coming up next year, so you know, maybe we should all have another big pie ready. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, that is where we shall be closing our picnic hamper for the day. We would love to hear from you out there, from all around the world what your picnics consist of especially some of our friends in in foreign climes because it's fascinating to know if the if the cultural similarities or differences work across the borders around the world so please do get in touch whatever you want to say to heston uh, at heston's podcast on instagram and heston's podcast at gmail.com plus while you're there do us a favor stop subscribe leave a nice quote something anything on there help the algorithms help other people find us but for this week james thank you for guiding us through the facts thank you so much james heston thank you ever so much that was a lovely trip inside your hamper until next week thank you thank you chaps mm -hmm.